0: Every time I think, uh, I've figured out the boundaries that God can work within, He He blows the doors off of those little boxes that I try to put them in, and I, and I, I often, I mean, think that they're pretty good-sized boxes, but God's grace just totally transforms.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I'm excited today to introduce you to a young man who's quietly serving his community in significant ways. You'll meet Curry Womack of the Nashville Rescue Mission. This program, First Person, is on the air each week at this time, bringing you stories of people who have found both personal salvation and a purpose in calling for their life through Jesus Christ. Our website is a resource for additional information about each guest you hear. We're found online at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, I've known today's guest for several years now. Curry Womack, who serves people through the Nashville Rescue Mission, does so humbly and in the name of Christ. Quietly and without a lot of fanfare, lives are often rescued spiritually and physically because of men and women like Curry. It's much more than a meal and a bed, although thousands of beds are provided each month and even more meals. Job training, counseling, Bible studies, and much more go on there, and all over the country in rescue missions every day, often out of the sight of most of us. On a recent trip to Nashville, I sat down with Curry to talk with him about what he does and why he does it. The, the mission is always a beehive. We have, we have what we call our
0: overnight guests, guys that just come in uh, for a shower. Some will come in for a meal. Some will come in to sleep for the night, and then they'll go out and work the next day. We also have programs. We have long-term programs for men, long-term programs for women. We have, at any given day, we have up to 50 volunteers uh, above and beyond the staff. And it's literally a beehive of activity of all kinds of things going on. Clothing room, people dropping off clothing, people receiving clothing, medical care,
1: uh, classes, counseling, group sessions, trainings. Now, I know you have a beautiful chapel here in the building, and right. because I've seen that in previous visits, but today we're in this prayer room, right? Uh, kind of an echoey room, which is appropriate, I think. But uh, what, what goes on here? I mean, obviously prayer, but how, sure. how do you make use of this room? This, this room is used a, a
0: lot, actually. Um, our men uh, in, in our program have a full day of activities uh, with their classes, with their counseling group sessions, and then each person does a chore that puts back into the program So this gives them a little break, and the guys are very conscientious of each other. Uh, If one person's in here, uh, they'll leave him alone until he finishes, and and sometimes there'll be a line outside that door. Is that right? Our intention, while it's not a large room, it's plenty big enough for several people. Mm -hmm. But it's rare. You may every now and then find two or three guys that will come in and pray together, but usually it's one at a time. And uh, the guys will keep a prayer journal over there for other people to pray for,
1: and they also keep a praise journal over there. Uh, of answered prayers, I want to talk more about this rescue mission in downtown Nashville. But I want to talk about you too. Now I've known you for a few years now, and right. we've talked previously on the radio. But your story to me is is inspiring because God got a hold of you and brought you to this place. Did you ever see yourself, you know, as director of a of a rescue mission? No, I um
0: I knew of the mission growing up, but you know, all I knew at that time is just a bunch of bums in there and. I knew that they had um, church services, and uh, at that point in my life, that was the last thing I was interested in. <laughs> I, I, I didn't consider myself a
1: bum. Mm-hmm. So. But you had a rough go for a while?
0: Well, as, as a kid, I was, um, I was one of those spastic kids. I, I was always in trouble. I was that kid, uh, even in, in kindergarten, first grade, all the way up, I was in trouble. I would go to the principal's office. I would get paddlings. My father was old school. Um, if I got a paddling at school, I got one at, at home and, uh, and it was literally a daily uh, occurrence. People think I'm making it up, but I can remember as a young person at the point of deciding I'm not going to cry anymore because this happens all the time. And Is I just, right? I knew I was going to get a paddling. I knew I was going to be in trouble. Looking back on it now as an adult, what was driving that? Any clue? I, I don't know. I've got different theories. I was just, I've always been hyperactive. I'm still hyperactive. Um, but you channel into ministry now, don't you? Well, I, I've learned how to to, to do that. It's yeah. it's been a learning thing, and uh, it's it it helps me to help some of the guys here because I I, I see a lot of that in people. You know, it's probably ADD and ADHD, as as anybody knows, is is a lot of times misdiagnosed. But I think there's a lot of people that have it that they're they're the same same way. They're always in mm-hmm. trouble, and so a lot of our guys, I'll get moms that'll call and they'll tell me all about their son, and then the last thing they said now. He has ADD. Is that a problem? I'll say, no, he'll be like most of us here. Hmm. So, at what point did Christ come into your life, Craig? I was, um, I guess I was 17. And uh, I was at a church. I was only there because the girl I was dating wasn't allowed to date me because I was one of these troubled kids. And her mom told her, uh, he can come to church, but that's it. And uh, I'd been coming for several weeks. And Sitting on the back row, you know, the too cool for Sunday school kid, and I knew more than and better than anybody that was there. And the the service was not; it wasn't one of these guys with charisma or anything. It was very boring, mundane. But you know, the Holy Spirit shot me right in the heart. The Spirit's work. Oh, it was exactly, and uh, it it was a turning point in my life. It it I suddenly realized that I had an identity that I think I'd been chasing after in all different
1: ways before that. How good that you learned that at 17 and right. not 27 or 37 like a lot of the men you see sure. coming through this. Oh, I, I'm, I feel the, just the
0: God's grace in my life in, a, in so many different areas. Hmm.
1: How did he turn your heart towards this? How did you first learn about Nashville Rescue Mission? I was in school, and
0: uh, Carl Reisner was the director of the mission at that point, and he was speaking uh, in the little town we were at, and we uh, heard him speak and got to speak with him, and he started telling me about the Anchor Home. At that point in my life, I was really uh, dead set. I was, I've was i always been a big outdoors person. I love camping, hiking, fishing, those things, and uh, the way I saw it, we were going to have a camp. My wife and I were going to build a camp, and we were going to run a camp for, for troubled teens, and uh, Brother Reasoner began telling me about the Anchor Home, which was a program for 18 to 24-year-olds, and I had the opportunity to, to fly up here to Nashville and spend some time and. And just immediately fell in love, and and, uh, I mean, I I knew that I knew. You were called. This was what what I was prepared for, yes. No question about it? Oh, I still, I've been here 22 years, and I love it. I mean, I love it. You know, it's it's like anything, you have your days, you get tired, but I have no doubts uh, this is where I'm
1: supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've uh, encountered people with misconceptions about rescue mission work all, what, the time, what are some of those things? let's let's dispel some of those myths today.
0: Well, one of the big ones is that I constantly hear is those guys just need to get a job and work. Some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life, I've met here at the rescue mission. And the working is not a problem for them. It's what they do when they get that paycheck. And so what we look at is a long-term process of working with them. We call our program a life recovery program. We want to deal with a whole person. And actually prepare them not just to get a job but to to make a difference in their life in their family's life and the community that they're involved in uh, in the in the, a biblical community in a church, local church, but also in in that community that they live and reside in and uh, preparing them for that, that's the whole goal of the program. You must have a front row seat to some pretty dramatic stories we We see Everything. I, I tell people there's never a boring moment at the National Rescue Mission, <laughs> which is when you're this spastic kid, it fits right in. Because it's 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 almost like an ER atmosphere. And um, there's always a crisis or more times than not a perceived crisis mm-hmm. that you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, it's one of those jobs where as soon as you pull up in the parking lot in the morning, there's usually at least one person that's going to meet you at your vehicle and walk you in. And usually, you you leave in the evening with somebody walking you out to your vehicle with an issue that mm-hmm. that they want to resolve mm-hmm. before you leave that day, and you can't heal everybody.
1: It just doesn't happen, does it? No, that'll be disappointing, though.
0: Well, it is, and that's part of it. Um, and I, I was thinking, you know, interestingly enough, about that this morning in my devotion about the more I mature as a Christian, the more dissatisfied I am with this world, you know, and. Uh, The passage in Revelation that talks about that God shall wipe away their tears, I really believe that that's towards us in the ministry because of all the heartache. And, you know, I can remember a point in my life where I was praying for a burden. And sometimes, honestly, I have to go to the Lord and say, I can't carry this anymore, Lord, I can't. And uh, because more times than not, the guys go out of here not doing what the right we we right. get to see some great success stories mm-hmm. but we also uh, i go to way too many funerals It's got to break your heart oh it does it still does yeah, you never get used to it you you, you don't and um only god's going to be able to uh take that pain away there there's no other way in a very real sense you're a pastor to these men and women pastor coach Uh, stepdad, uh, cheerleader, (laughs) whatever the situation calls for. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a constantly changing. You know, I I may have a, uh, a man that comes into my office and we're counseling and he's, he's thinking about suicide and then turn right around and the guy that comes in behind him, um, his roommate uh, used uh, a pair of his socks and he's angry. So you just, you switch gears back and forth and do you see spiritual change in lives here? Oh, I do. And and because I've been here so long, I get to see it even sometimes with the people that we think leave here haven't received anything. Um, we had a tour yesterday, and I was sharing with them about a young man um, that he came into the program seven times, and um, this young man was always in trouble, you know, and, and I would reach out to him and reach out to him and... um he, he, was, he was like I was. He was just hard-headed, and, and he knew better. But about five years after I put him out for the last time, I didn't hear anything back, and he called me. And he, he you know said he was doing much better. And it was only a few weeks later he came with his pastor, and he was married. He was leading now a prison ministry through his church. <laughs> and uh, I told people he was clothed in his right mind You know <laughs> this time. I mean, the last time I saw him, he had been on the top of a five-story building threatening to jump off. Um, and now to see him, it was, it was only something that Christ could do in a person. I mean, he transformed
1: that young man into this very godly man that he still is today and keeps in touch. More about the ministry of the Nashville Rescue Mission through the eyes of Curry Womack coming up in just a moment. Next week, we'll talk with a guest who once described himself as a stranger in the house of God. I would look at myself and say, well, there's somebody who's never going to come to know the Lord. It's just a reminder of the power of God's grace, that He's a God who seeks the lost. The great thing is that He uses us as a part of that process, and that's what I'm trying to train my students. Moody Bible Institute professor Dr. John Kessler joins us next week right here on First Person. talking with curry womack who's one of the directors of the nashville rescue mission and we are in the prayer room in downtown nashville at the rescue mission right now curry we've been talking about your ministry here um take me back to some more of those stories that uh, men and women have come through the doors here that you you encounter every day the first gentleman i ever met i was it was my first
0: day here um still cocky young man you know right out of school and uh I thought I was going to have all the answers and everything, and uh, uh, the police dropped off uh, a young man and uh, his sister, and uh, their father was a carny and was traveling through, basically just stopped and said, you know what, I don't have time for this anymore, Mm -hmm. I don't want you. Uh, They had never been in Nashville, they were just coming through, and uh, scared to death, and uh, we worked with um, the Department of Children's Services at that time, and You know, we're able to, he was 17, uh, his sister uh, was only 14, so. They must have been terribly frightened and confused. It was just, it was heartbreaking. um, To see, there's a different world out there, and even when we think we've seen it all, uh, one of the the other things that I enjoy about my my job here is it's a continual education. We're constantly learning from these men that come, and the women, and families, and just the things that they've seen and their experiences.
1: But it's got to be such an emotional roller coaster.
0: For it, you it how, is how do you deal with that i guess that being hyperactive you can change focus pretty quick if there is a an upside to it it's you you can change focus pretty fast you don't ever forget but there's always something that needs your attention to to change your focus to and we still pray for our guys um it, sometimes i still have to ask a, a man to leave and it's i, I don't enjoy it mm-hmm. uh, and um uh, hopefully i never will but it's you know because really the rescue mission for a lot of people is their last stop right you know i believe it was spurgeon that said you know some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells but give me a mission a yard from the gates of hell yeah and um so a lot of our guys have been in all these other programs and have failed um for those that are old enough to remember these are these are cotter's kids that we've got you know and uh They've been kicked out of Cotter's class, if you can think about that. I mm-hmm. mean, everything they've done have been kicked out of. and and so this is our our last chance with them.
1: And yet, as we walked into the prayer room today, downstairs, or somewhere in the hallway here, there was a, a wall full of photos. Tell me about that that wall. Well, of the photos.
0: program's seven uh, seven months in length. and the final Friday of each month, we have a graduation for those that have con- completed that seven months. And, uh, you're right. I mean, we average 11 men, 12 men. We just had 17, uh, in October graduate. We had 11 this past month graduate.
1: How many pictures on that wall out there?
0: Yeah, I haven't counted them. That's a good question. <laughs> I need to, there's a bunch. It's a long wall. I've never been a numbers person and, I, and uh, we have <laughs> a lot of people It's not important to you, here. is it? No, because they, each one of those is a story. And that's, that's what I see is those stories. And, and remember when I look at those faces and it just brings up stories mm. and, um, uh, you know, some good, some not so good, um, some still growing and, and changing. And uh, I've been here long enough, like I said before, to, to see people come through the whole process and, and, and see God work on them long past they're with us. What does it
1: take to get a, a picture up on the wall? What do they have to go through?
0: They've com- that, that picture represents that they've completed seven months here, they've averaged about at least four hours of chores a day. The, the entire mission, they the the men through the program uh, help prepare the meals for not only their selves but our overnight guests. Uh, they do the laundry. Every man that comes to this mission gets a clean pair of sh- uh, set of sheets every night when he comes in. They clean the chapel. They clean the dorms. Then they have classes. They have at least an hour and a half a day of class. In addition to, we have morning devotions and evening chapel. What's a class like? Well, we do uh, basic life skills. We do Bible studies. Um, we do classes on drug addiction, on alcohol. Uh, we do classes on sexual addiction. We we try to cover the whole gamut mm-hmm. uh, to prepare that person for real life. Okay. Classes on money management. Um, classes on uh, being uh, a godly husband. Uh, classes on being a godly father. Um, uh, even down to uh, basic math, you know, uh, how to read a tape Hmm. um, how to, how to do a budget, things Mm -hmm. like that.
1: Boy, that sounds very practical. Um, you have some pretty unique programs here at Nashville rescue mission. You were telling me as we walked in today about a, a music lab that you have now is that that's, that's pretty, pretty unique. Oh, it's, it's been a dream of ours
0: for a while to be able to have training, uh, again, for, for guys that are just, you know, you would think at the end of the day with, with all the classes that the guys have and their activities, they have groups and counseling in addition, that they'd be tired, but you know, they're ready to change gears. And so we get a lot of guys that have some rough, some very talented musicians that come through. This, this is Nashville. This so. is Nashville. And, um, and of course, we get the guys that were going to make it big end yeah. up at the mission because they, they come to Nashville and find out that there's a bunch of people here that are trying to make <laughs> it big. So. We get to minister to them and and that's a cool thing and uh, what's the purpose of the music lab then? The music lab is really twofold it's It's one to allow these guys to develop their music abilities um, and and within that, I'm hoping that we're going to attract some new volunteers that because everybody has a different uh, strength, and I think there's going to be a lot of people just in some of the tours yesterday we just opened our music lab yesterday and and seeing uh, the the those that came through, their excitement and their ideas—it's just going to be another opportunity. Which is what I love about the mission. It's just filled with opportunity for for the students, for the staff, for
1: the volunteers that have come here. Does it frustrate you the stigma that's attached to the people you see come through these doors every day?
0: It does. It does both ways. I think some of the guys uh, are reluctant to get involved in a lot of things because it's almost like they feel like something's tattooed across their forehead. And, you know, so they're very standoffish, sometimes for good reason, because of the way they've been treated at different places. But uh, I think I'm I'm starting to see in the younger generation a more acceptance. You know, there there's not quite the stigma that there used to be. Uh, and so I, I, I'm starting to see a little bit of difference. And, you know, uh, again, Nashville has just great, great people that really uh, uh, support the mission, support these men. We have some really great churches that come and support us. I'm um,
1: sure you could always use more. Always use more. And, of course, we're at the Nashville Rescue Mission. Chances are, as this program is heard around the country, there's a rescue mission in your, sure. your immediate vicinity as well. They could use your help. Most definitely. Uh, and, and you'd be surprised. You know,
0: it's, it's not just about serving meals, like we said earlier. I mean, there's, there's educational opportunities. Sometimes it's just somebody that need, they need help driving a van to help, help people to, to get some dental care to the doctor, or when our guys start on job search, just
1: somebody to help them get to interviews and things. Mm. Let's take our final couple of moments here. I want you to tell me again about a life changed, changed by Christ foremost, first and foremost, but also changed because of Nashville rescue mission.
0: Well, I think of a young man that came, I I guess it was in the mid nineties and, um, going to make it big in Nashville and uh came from up north got off the bus uh immediately overwhelmed from some little town and uh ended up at at the mission and of course they brought him because he was a a younger gentleman uh to the anchor home and he he, you know at, at that point he didn't really need a program but uh he didn't have anywhere to go he was out of money so he stayed with us uh Watching, so
1: addictions weren't an issue necessarily.
0: Not well. He was he wasn't what we would consider. He had he had messed around a little bit and mm-hmm. tried different things, mm-hmm. but it, it, it wasn't a life dominating force like it is for a lot of the guys. It was we like said. Down and outer. Huh? Right. Well, he was just searching. He was he didn't know he was just searching, and he thought that if he just changed his geography, that all his answers would be taken yeah. care of. How often but, we think that? Sure. And to just watching him grow, he in the program, I, I immediately began to see. Um, leadership potential in him. And so we we took advantage of that. And um, he enrolled, towards the end of his program, enrolled in one of the local Bible schools, uh, stayed with us for a couple of years in our halfway house, and then moved on campus, completed there, um, took a position as a youth pastor for several years, and then um, began working on his master's uh, at Asbury Seminary. And then And currently is pastoring uh, in Georgia Church. Is that right? And is about a year away from his earned doctorate degree. (laughs) You know, so I mean, just uh, yeah. And it started by walking in off the street, right? Just coming in, nowhere to go. And uh, what keeps you here, Curry? The guys, just seeing them, um, and and seeing what God can do. Every time I think uh, I've figured out the boundaries that God can work within, He He blows the doors off of those little boxes that I try to put them in, and and I uh, often, I mean, think that they're pretty good sized boxes. But He, uh, it's funny the people that I think that are coming in that we're going to really be able to help, it doesn't seem like we're able to. But then these other guys, God's grace just totally transforms, and and there's no other explanation, you know, it doesn't make sense. I mean. But I, I can't. I still, uh, as a believer, can't understand why God loves me either. And yet, He does, and He shows me mercy. And the longer I walk with Him, the more I realize how big
1: that mercy is. As I talked with Curry that day at the Nashville Rescue Mission, I realized there are many other selfless people just like him all over the country who serve their local rescue missions as staff or volunteers, and they deserve our prayers and support. If you'd like to know more about this rescue mission in Nashville and today's guest, Curry Womack, we've placed a link on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. While most of us listening don't live in Nashville, chances are there is a local rescue mission where you live that needs your time and support. Take time to consider and respond to the needs in your own community. And I want to remind you of our website, which can provide you with additional information about the guests you hear each week. FirstPersonInterview.com is the online address for this program. And there is an archive of programs you may have missed, as well as a schedule of upcoming guests. Look us up online at FirstPersonInterview.com. And you can interact with us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FirstPersonInterview looking ahead to next week, my guest will be Dr. John Kessler, a man who comes from an unlikely spiritual background. You'll hear his story next week. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll see you next time for First Person.